0: Uh, we're we're going to start our journey looking at Genesis 1, God Creates. But before we get there, i got to lay a little bit of groundwork with you. We can, uh, I think it just help us to understand the scriptures a little bit better. You know, we all come to the scriptures with all kinds of ideas and thoughts and uh, different levels of knowledge and understanding and aptitudes and uh, ability to comprehend and all that kind of thing. But this, this will help us. There, there actually is a key to understanding the entire Bible and that key is Jesus. You've got to understand Jesus to understand the scriptures. In fact, Jesus says this about understanding the scriptures. He's talking to the Pharisees here. He says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. All right. And then the same conversation, just a few verses down. He says, for if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he, for Moses, wrote about me. Now, wait a minute. Now, I thought Moses wrote about... Abraham and Joseph and Isaac and Jacob and all that huh so was Jesus kind of interwoven the message of who he is interwoven in even in Genesis absolutely absolutely he says but if you don't believe his writings you won't believe my words either and then there's there's this thing that Jesus said this is how Jesus saw the Bible of course the Bible that Jesus had would have been the Old Testament the Hebrew Bible Uh, This is a post-resurrection account. This is right after the the road to Emmaus story, which is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Luke 24, he leaves uh, the two gentlemen he had uh, supper with at the road to Emmaus, or on the road to Emmaus. He leaves there, and they they go to Galilee, and Jesus is going to to meet the disciples there. This is a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. In verse 44 and 45, this is what Jesus says about the scriptures. Listen to it. Then Jesus said to them, this is the disciples, Jesus said to the disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And that prophet, the law of Moses, prophets, and Psalms, that's, that's one way of categorizing the entire Hebrew Bible. You know, we do it a little bit differently than our colleges and seminaries. We we call it the Pentateuch, and then we got the the minor prophets, the major prophets, and the historical books and all that. But historically, the Jews they separate the Bible into these three. It's called the Tanakh. Uh, there's the Law of Moses, which is Torah, first five books, right? And then you got the prophets, which is which is the uh, um, it, it includes some of the historical books as well. And then you got the Psalms, which that's the category that, that deals with... It's called the writings, actually, to the Jews. It's called the writings. It's Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Solomon's writings, some things like that. So, but Jesus said all of this, this whole New Te- Old Testament is all written about me. And then it says he opened up their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. But the way to comprehend the Scriptures is to understand him. He's the key to understanding it all. all right, we're going to find some of that in Genesis chapter 1 today. So 2 Timothy 3, Paul talks about how we should look at the scriptures. You probably heard this before. It says, and he's talking to Timothy, Paul is, he says, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now he's talking about the Old Testament when he says holy scriptures right there, the New Testament's being written when Paul's writing all this, okay? So he's talking about the Old Testament specifically. Now, we can incorporate the New Testament with that, that phrase as well. But Paul's specifically talking about the Old Testament. He says, the, the Old Testament is able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All, right? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's break it down just a little bit before we get into our... Genesis 1. So the first thing we understand from what Paul says right there, the scriptures come to us from God. Amen. It comes to, They come to us from God. The, the word is inspiration or God breathed. God breathed them out by speaking them. He spoke them to, to men of old, as the scripture says. So the, that's the first thing to understand. They came from God. Now why were they given? Why were they given? He said specifically To make you wise. It's a particular kind of wisdom in the Bible. It doesn't cover all the ins and outs of everything, dealing with life and all that kind of thing. But it does cover this subject very, very well. It is written to make you wise for salvation, which only comes through Jesus Christ. That's where you land when you understand the scriptures correctly. All right? So now how is it going to do this? He just broke it all down. How is it going to do this? How is it going to make me wise? especially towards concerning salvation. How's it going to do this? It's going to teach me. Don't we need some learning? Oh boy said, I need some learning. <laughs> it's going to teach us. It's going to make us wise. It's going to instruct us. Lots of instruction. We're going to see that in these stories we come across. We're going to see the wisdom that leads us to salvation in Christ. We're going to get all kinds of lessons from their lives, all kinds of input. The scripture is also going to rebuke us. My mama was good at that. She, I, I didn't need a Greek or Hebrew dictionary to figure out what that meant. I just had her. <laughs> she helped me out with that. Uh, it it just shows you your wrongs to instill values and convictions in you. Shows you the wrong so that you can do right. Right. The scripture also corrects my faults. It helps me correct my faults. It it, it, it literally it means straighten me out. Sets me on the right path. All right. And the scriptures train me. To stay on the right path. So we're going to get in Genesis. We're going to trust it to do all this stuff in us. And some of y'all need straightening out. Some of you are going to take a little bit bigger hammer than others, aren't you? <laughs> now what prophet, what prophet why, why should I come to a Bible study like this or spend my time reading the scriptures and meditating on the scriptures and, and, and learning, studying, digging, doing all that kind of thing? Why should I spend my time doing that? Well, Paul tells us directly, he says, uh, there's a profit to correctly understanding the Bible and applying it to your life and, and getting what it gives you. There's a profit or benefit it brings, and that is to make you complete. It will grow you up, it'll mature you, make you it complete. It'll give you the qualities you need. It qualifies you, basically. It gives you the power you need and it equips you. It helps you be fitted out. You know, if you go on a hunting trip and all that kind of thing, Uh, you you go get your gear ready, right? You get your gear so that when you get there, you're ready and equipped and you're fitted out, right? Well, that's what the Bible does for life. It fits you out. It gives you what you need. Equipment, whatever the demands are ahead, God will supply. That's what equipping has to do with. The Bible helps us with that. And it helps us to be equipped to do good with our lives for every good work. God doesn't expect a profit out of us. He's given us a scripture to help bring that profit along in us and through us. He expects something out of our lives. So we go through Genesis. We're going, to, we're going to expect God to do these things in us. Amen. We're going to see Christ in, in a lot of these stories. We're going to see him. And, and we're going to get the wisdom of salvation from that. All right. So now, Genesis. Now, Genesis doesn't answer all the questions that you're going to have. I can promise you. You know, we we wonder about all sorts of things. You know, what about the whole uh, creation-evolution debate. What about the whole, is it 24 hours, days or is it eons of time? Was it thousands of years? Is the earth young or is the earth old? You know, that kind of thing, all that kind of thing. Genesis really doesn't answer those questions. It's not written as a scientific manual. It's not written for that kind of knowledge. It's written for the wisdom that, that deals with the meaning of life and what life is all about. Now it's going to answer some things for us and it'll help us along the path. But a lot of people have made the book of Genesis to answer a lot of questions that it doesn't, because our minds just think differently than the people that wrote the Bible. So what, the, what it does do, it'll answer questions like this, which are really more important than is, is the earth old or is the earth young. Okay? And you may have your different opinions about that. But it's going to answer these questions. This is much more important. Who is God? Who are we? Why are we here? What's the origin and meaning of life? What's this, what's this life all about? I mean, we're going to see some of that just tonight, just in the very opening chapter. What's wrong with the world? Genesis tells us. Genesis 3 tells us the collapse that happened and what the consequences were. And it'll tell us what's wrong with us. And wouldn't you rather the Bible tell you than somebody that don't love you (laughs) to tell you. But it doesn't just leave us with the problem, it leaves us with a solution as well. So all of these things and much more can be found in Genesis now, as we, this week and, and hopefully some of next week, we're going to get in Genesis 1 and 2. There are two creation stories in the opening pages of the Bible. Genesis 1 has a story, and Genesis 2 has a story. The creation story is found in the first chapter, all the way from the first chapter, and the, page, the chapter break is, is in a little precarious place right there. Really, the thoughts end, they go from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-3. Is where the thought kind of, the the creation story kind of ends. So we get the creation story of all the land, the skies, the creatures, all the creeping things, and the humans, us humans. So we get that in the creation story. And creation is set up in Genesis 1 for life to flourish. All right? Then we get the second creation story, which is found in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse number 4, through the remainder of the chapter there. You have the Eden story is what it's called. You've got the Eden story, and it gives you a little bit more detail about the creation of of man, of man and woman, Adam and Eve. Uh, and, And it talks about this sacred place that God has called Eden. It says there is a place called Eden, and in Eden, there is a sacred place that God has made a garden there. And there he places the man and woman. And you see that, we'll see that a little bit next week, but the, the creation is, is kind of set up like a temple. The world is like God's temple. It's, it's kind of that kind of picture. Like you got the whole earth, and then you got Eden, and then you got the garden set up in the, like that three-tier type system. Like, like the outer court, the whole, is that, if that ain't Jesus now, come on. <laughs> That's the second time, but I ain't going to say nothing. <laughs> no, that's all right. I have a daughter, and she can't get up with me at a certain time. Okay, she'll be coming after all of us, won't she? All right, so so it's set up kind of like a temple, you know. The temple's got the three chambers. It's got the outer court, the inner court, and then the most holy place. Uh, the the creation is literally set up like that as well. So uh, we, we're going to look more about that, that beautiful place uh, in Eden. All right, and it's made for humans to flourish. All right, you ready? You ready to fly into this? All right, we got a lot of ground to cover and a short time to get there, as always, right? I really need about four hours tonight. How much time you got? <laughs> Can we eat again, he said? That's right. That's right. All right, Genesis 1-1, here we go. And here starts the Word of God. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Say that with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And our story launches with that sentence. The, the story, it, yeah, it introduces us to God. In the beginning, it, it's, it's kind of like saying way back when, a long time ago, when it all started. And Genesis begins to lay out the story. Moses begins to lay out the story given to him by God. So now, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what's the very first thing we learn about God? That he's our creator. he's our creator. He's a creator, and, and, and the story is about to explode with all of these details of how powerful and how wonderful and how wise this God is. All right, So that's the very first thing we learn about God. All right, So there's, without introduction, God steps on the scene. There's no introduction. There's no war with the gods like all the other pantheon of gods are and all that kind of thing. There's no explanation about God. God is just revealed. You are to take it at face value that he is God. He always has been. He always will be. He is the ancient of days. And he's there. And this God is the creator. All right? So here's the idea of create. It means to make or to make something that has never existed before. Okay? I like, I like this. This helps me a little bit. Maybe it'll help you. I, I, God invented... It, mean, it also can mean to invent. All right, so now we go back, go back there. It's different. It's a little different perspective. Same idea. In the beginning, God invented the heavens and the earth. They were his idea. And he carries it out from thought to reality. All right? I just like the word create, but I also like the word, the idea, invent. That, that, you know, think about it. God invented everything, you see, in creation. All right, now there's something unique about God's creation, now, artists are wonderful and all those kind of things. And, and, you know, we can take wood and raw materials and make things like, like this. And, we can, you know, you can make houses and you take raw materials. But there's something unique about God's creative ability. God can create something out of nothing. God, he, he doesn't need, see, we need raw materials, Right? If you're going to make something to build something or craft something or make a piece of art, you need raw materials. And they, they got hardware stores and Home Depots and Lowe's and all that. We go get those raw materials, those places, and we pile them up together and we come up with the idea or whatever and we make something. But God has the ability to out of nothing bring something. You know why he has to be that way? Because guess what he started with? Nothing. You know why? It wasn't nothing to start with. He had to create all his raw materials. All right? And we're going to see, here's, here's the only thing that God needs to do what he wants. All he needs to do is speak, and it happens. That this guy, you know, like, like a king. I mean, he's being represented here like a king who sits on the throne. You know, a king will speak certain things and tell people to do certain things, and certain things happen in his kingdom. Well, God's got this unique ability to speak things into existence with the power of His Word. So now you think about that. The power of His Word can create whatever He wants. So He's got a lot of promises in, in the Scriptures. He's got a lot of things. You realize that that Word right there contains the creative power of God. And if it ever gets a hold of you, and gets inside of you, it will bring to pass what it puts inside of you. That's the power of His Word. It, Isaiah said it like this, that it will accomplish what he sent it to do. It will do it. So, so God, through his word, wants to create a certain kind of human. How are we going to become that? Well, that creative power is going to get inside of us. We're going to receive his word like a seed is what it says, right? We receive his word like a seed. It goes in our hearts and it finds a place to grow and it grows and it changes us into a particular kind of person. Because his word has creative power, all right? So, he can create something out of nothing. Hebrews 11.3 says this. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And you think on that hard enough and your mind will go. You'll blow a circuit out your left ear. But he's so above us. That's why he says things like my ways are not your ways. I, I, I got ways of doing things you don't even thought about. You know, all of that kind of thing. So now, God creates. Now it tells us specifically right here in, in the opening line that he creates the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth. Now here, here's a way we, could, we would probably write it in our language today. He created the skies and the land. You know, all of that kind of idea the heavens the atmosphere all that kind of thing stars the sky he created all of that and the earth the land right all right so verse number two let's pick up a little more text the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep all right so now we got a little problem here got a problem i'm not, not sure how it got here not sure what's happened with the problem, maybe God's just getting started with the whole deal. It's kind of like you go get a whole bunch of lumber at the hardware store and you put it and you pile it up in your front yard and, and it, 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 it's, it's kind of without form and void, right? It hadn't quite got started. All you got is gathered up together. Did you read what it was said about it? Now, go back to that verse again. It's without form and void, darkness was upon the face of the deep. All right, so the, here's the problem what, Is the land livable? Is, that, is the land livable? Can, can anything live in that? What's wrong with it? Well, it says it right there. It's without form and void. Maybe another way to understand it is it's wild. It's just wild. You ever been out in the wilderness? It's wild. And it can be dangerous out there, can it? It can be fun. But it can also be dangerous. It's just wild. Wild and waste. It's kind of a wasteland. Another way to say it is it's unformed and it's uninhabited. It's not, it's not taking shape yet. And there's certainly no, no creatures that can even inhabit it, right? And it's covered in darkness. Darkness is on the face of the deep. So what can grow in darkness? Just a few mushrooms is about all I know, right? <laughs> not much, not much. The other problem is it's covered by deep waters. Now, the reason I'm, it's laying it out like this, God's going to solve all three of these problems in, in the creation story. You're going to see it. He's going to solve, solve all of this. It's covered by deep waters. Kind of like a turning ocean. Deep, dark, moving waters. Okay. Now, picture that in your mind. Can, can you picture? I mean, when you read the Bible, don't just read it and don't get through it. Formulate this stuff in your mind. Get, get your mind and your, your sanctified imagination going and think about the picture that's given to us right there. Do, do you see it? I mean, you, just look down. What, what do you see according to those words right there? I mean, you can't see nothing. It's dark, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just black and churning. You can hear the water. You ever been on the sea at night when it's really, really rough? Mm, it's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah, you've been there a few times, haven't you? It's kind of scary. Well, that's, that's the picture that's being painted. You kind of get, get an idea of that. All right? Now, question. Is there a Jesus story that has Jesus doing something in the darkness mm-hmm. upon deep, churning waters? Mm-hmm. Hey, we've got a couple stories like that, don't we? See, Jesus is the key. Now, th- this is why the disciples were so kicking when he come across that water, walking on that deep water. Walking in the dark. And the only one they knew could do anything like that was God. He did it back in Genesis chapter 1. He's the one that stands over that kind of stuff. Is Jesus saying that he is the God of Genesis 1? See, there's a lot more to these stories than just these little... The miracles are wonderful. But the miracles are also revealing who he really is. His nature and his character. Who he is. All right. So Jesus is trying by, by showing us that story... And doing that with the disciples at night, walking out on the water. He's showing us he's the Lord of all creation. He's the God of Genesis chapter 1. That's why the disciples didn't have nothing to say. They, they couldn't respond. It was just blew all the circuits. Now just think about that now. Just think about all that, what I just said. It's going, the scriptures are going to make you wise for salvation to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you need that bit of information to go back to that story because in, in that particular verse right there, you wouldn't get Jesus out of that verse unless he did that on that water. You see what I'm talking about? He, he's the key to understanding who this is and what, how this happens. All right, so now. All right. Pick up the rest of verse number two. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. All right, so now. In the darkness comes the Spirit of God. And what is he doing? What do you see? What do you, what do you see? Hover. He's hovering. What, what, what kind of animal we know that kind of hovers like that? A well, a hummingbird or a bird of some kind, right? Hovercraft. A hovercraft, yeah. If we watch some Star Wars or something, yeah, we've got a hovercraft. He, he's hovering over the face of the waters. Something's about to happen, right? The Spirit of God is beginning to move and then when the Spirit of God begins to move, the Word of God is going to come forth, right? So now let, let me ask you this. Just just staying with the, the Jesus key to understanding things because these these patterns that you see in Genesis, especially 1, 2, and 3, begin to repeat themselves through the entire Bible, especially all the way to Jesus. They repeat themselves over and over and over in different ways. I mean, is, is, uh, is there another story about a wind and a Blowing and a bunch of water. Is there another story about that? And uh, some other things happening? Isn't there like a Red Sea story about that? The patterns begin to repeat themselves over and over in different ways. But showing us that the story is, is continuing from generation to generation. Now, here's a Jesus story. Answer me this. Is there a Jesus story with water and the Spirit hovering? His baptism. Okay. Hmm. So where creation happened in Genesis chapter one? Now, when I, if I, if I have a knowledge of the of the of the scriptures, just even on the first page right here, I begin to think. Wait a minute. Now there's water, and there's the spirit hovering. I would think about the spirit descending upon him, hovering over him like a dove. It's what what the scripture says. The gospel writers say. And I think about that. And my mind races back to Genesis 1 and said, oh, I see what's happening. In Jesus, there's a new creation moment happening. Something brand new is about to come forth right now. That's what happened in Genesis 1 now. This is what, that's what happens in Jesus' life, isn't it? Okay. You see what I'm saying about all this, making these connections? And don't feel bad if you didn't see all that. I, you know, I've had teachers that helped me see it. And maybe, maybe I, I can help you just dig in the Word a little bit deeper. And get in there because so, we, can, we can get that wisdom of salvation out of it. Not just, not just knowledge about Abraham, not just knowledge about Isaac and Jacob, not just knowledge about King David. I, I need the wisdom that leads me to salvation. That's what I need. All right. So now, the action is about to start. So we got the problem of all the, the, the wild and waste. we got the darkness. we got all of that happening. The deep waters. we got all that happening. The Spirit begins to hover over all that, let, let's just call it madness, over all of that chaos, all all that madness, the spirit begins to hover. And the action starts with 10 words spoken by God. 10, 10 sentences. 10 times in Genesis chapter 1, the phrase God said is recorded. Okay, now this thing keeps repeating now. 10 words. Is there another place in the story where God speaks 10 words to anybody, maybe 10 sentences. Let me have it maybe 10 commandments. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. So now God's going to speak this 10 times in Genesis 1 and, and creation's going to happen. He's going to speak those 10 words. In fact, that's what the Hebrews call it. they don't call it the Ten Commandments, they call it the 10 words he, in Exodus 20. He's going to speak those 10 words over them, and a new nation is going to be born. Basically, it becomes the beginning of their constitution. See what I'm talking about? These things just keep repeating themselves. All right? So now when I see that, and I've counted that up, 10, it just starts to begin to trigger things when you know Scripture. All right? So now verse number 3. A little bit more text. Now the action begins. There's our first God said right there. Then God said, "Let there be light." I wonder what that sounded like when he said it. I wonder what that sounded like. I wonder, wonder what his voice sounded like. I mean, we, we always had, you know, in all the movies, his his voice is real deep and guttural, you know. Kind of, bruh, let there be light, you know. It just kind of, you know, sound like Charlton Heston or something, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Or James Earl Jones or somebody like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So who invented light? Oh. Hmm. And God saw the light, that it was good. Now we're going to track that word as well. Good, that, that's going to be said seven times. Seven's, there's a real pattern of sevens. I won't, I won't bore you with all that information. There's a real pattern of sevens right in Genesis chapter 1 as well. God said that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. All right. So God is the one that created day and night. And you know what? Ever since he created it, guess what's happened? Guess what you can bank on? You can't bank on all the stuff that happens at the stock market. You can't bank on all the stuff that happens down in D.C. You can't bank on nothing else in this world. But guess what you can bank on? Tomorrow's coming. Sun's going to rise. And and the day has come ever since God put this in place. So he begins to stabilize everything. All this chaos and he begins to give it shape. And the first thing he chooses to do is he creates day and he creates night. He creates time basically. All right now, it's it's some guys that's really a lot smarter than me, like astrophysicists and things like that. When God created light, just heard a guy give a lecture on it one time, and it was fascinating. About every fifth word I could understand, he was saying, "I need a dictionary." You ever read them, folks, or listen to folks who need a dictionary to, to follow along? He, this is one of those guys, but it was worth worth it all. He said, "When God created light, what he created was he created the infrastructure." For all the the light waves, all the ability of illumination. He created all the ability of sound waves, which light waves and sound waves are, are close, similar to the same thing, just travel at different speeds. He created all the infrastructure for electricity to be discovered, which wouldn't be discovered for thousands of years later. All of that infrastructure was in that idea when God said, let there be light. And it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you're going to work in a dark room, what, what's the first thing you do? you got to turn the light on. That's what he does. So he just turned the light on. Now notice this right here. Okay, so he called the, the light day and he called the darkness night. And notice how the, the Hebrews do it. You just pick up on it and, it and it travels throughout the text. The evening and the morning were the first day. So the, the, the day starts at 6 p.m. at night. From 6 p.m. to 6 p.m., that's, that's a 24-hour day. Okay? You see what I'm talking about? So we, 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 if we were writing it, we would say morning to evening. But that, that, that's, they write it evening to morning. They still count their day like that. All right? The Sabbath in, in Jewish religion starts in the evening time. All right? So light. Let there be light. Boom. So the darkness problem just got solved, didn't it? The darkness problem is solved. Now, okay, are there any Jesus stories where he talks about light? There's a bunch of them, isn't it? There? There's a bunch of them. In fact, what does he call himself? He's the light of the world. Oh, he's the light of the world. Whoa, wait a minute. Okay, so now does that just mean he's a real smart guy and the light's already always on and he's smarter than everybody else? Well, he certainly is, but that's not what that means. Now, what? What would when he says, "I am the light of the world"? where does that tie us to? When did the light of the world come? Right here, Genesis chapter one. Now, hmm. John chapter one says, and he was he's the light of all men. You know, there is a bunch of light. He speaks a lot about light. He speaks a lot about the kingdom of darkness. All right, you see what I am talking about? When you see, see we're, we're Jesus people. We want to see the Bible the way He sees it, and He says all of these things speak concerning me. All right? that's the way we want to see it. See it like He did. All right, now, now, time's not going to permit me to read all the text. That's why I'm going to need you to read along and read ahead because I won't be able to cover everything, unless you want to stay the night, which I'm certainly down for it. I'm sure y'all. <laughs> So, we've got the six days of creation. It's just kind of outlined right there in your notes. All right, we've, we've seen day one. He created day and night. He invented, let's say, he invented day and night. That was his idea. <laughs> and then in day two, he, he separates the waters. He begins to deal with this water issue. He be, and he separates it. He separates the water in the sense that he creates an atmosphere. You know, now scientists are telling us that it's like, a, it's like this dome that's occurred, this. this Canopy that's across the, 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 the globe, right? That creates the atmosphere. The ozone layers are part of it and all that kind of thing. But it creates the atmosphere that makes it conducive. In fact, when, when they send up the rockets in the space shuttle, they have to arm them with the ability to penetrate that atmosphere, don't they? You Know what I'm talking about? And if they don't quite get it right, it, it will, what they'll say, they'll burn up on reentry, right? <laughs> that kind of thing. But he creates that atmosphere that makes it conducive for life. He creates the waters above, and he creates the waters below. So he's beginning to deal with the water problem. All right? That's that's day two. Then day three, he brings forth the dry land, the earth, the land. And he separates the waters. He's dealing with that water problem. He's separating the waters again and he creates the seas or the oceans. Creates all of that, spreads it all out across the globe. And they tell us what the globe's made up of, what, three quarters of water or something like that? Something of that nature. Then he makes the grass, the herbs, and the fruit trees on day number three. Okay, I wonder why he says fruit trees. Because he, he doesn't say pecan trees, he doesn't say uh, oak trees, he doesn't say um, pine trees. But he says fruit trees. wonder why he mentioned fruit trees. Are there going to be any stories that come up where fruit trees kind of become a problem? Mm-hmm. See, it's, it's, it's narrowing us down to a particular bit of information. Not all of it. It doesn't tell us everything, but it, it's, it's pointing us in a direction. Day number four, verse 14 through 19. Then God creates the sun. Now, we know how powerful the sun is. The energy, and if we get, they say if we were just a, a, a few thousand miles closer, we'd burn up. It scorches to death. Now think of, think of that. Just the idea of the sun—it's the most powerful thing we know outside of God. It's the most powerful. The, the sun came out of His mouth. I mean, He spoke that powerful thing into existence. That's pretty wild, isn't it? He created the sun, the moon, the stars for signs, seasons, <laughs> days, and years. Some of y'all ever do any nautical stuff? Now, now we've got instruments and things like that. We use all, all kinds of other electronic stuff. But there's a day. And in fact, some of the old timers, they still do it today. They will use those stars to navigate on those waters, won't they? In fact, even a guy that, that uh, knows what he's doing with all the electronics, if he's smart, he'll, he'll know about those stars and their signs, right? They, they direct us. They help us. They mark our days and calendars and years, all that kind of thing. So God begins to make it. Now, there's an interesting thing in Psalm 147. It says about the stars. Interesting thing. It says that He knows all the stars by name. How about that? Isn't that something? Now, I've got just I got a little fun pastime. I like to. I just love to study the heavens a little bit. Now, I don't have a clear night. Think about that. Yeah. In, in fact, another place it says he, he puts them all in their sockets. It's like, you know, like you plug in something in this wall right here, in a wall socket. It's like God created the whole canopy, stretched it out, and made it electrified, and he knew right where the sockets were, and he plugged all them stars in those sockets. That's, that's kind of the picture that's given to us. That's kind of needed. So, day five. He creates the water creatures. Day five, he creates the sky creatures, the winged creatures. You know, think about that. Those little—I got these hummingbird feeders. They, they're coming now. A Hummingbird was his idea. You think about that. All the birds you see flying around—the hawks, the—you know—you name it. So the mosquito. <laughs> no, I think the mosquito came after the fall. I'm not sure, but. <laughs> and all of those creeping things that creep on the earth—that you're talking about—they're created on day five. The water creatures, and there's a—and it says. Literally, in the Hebrew, it says the, the sea monsters. He created the sea monsters, these big, giant fish. And In fact, when he talks to Job, he's a little proud of one of them, isn't he? He calls it Leviathan. That's like his sea dragon. God said, you don't know nothing about Leviathan. Go get him a pet, Job. Why don't you go pet him? What do you think about him? So, You read Job and you hear some of this creation stuff. And he blesses the water creatures and he blesses the sky creatures. And he says, be fruitful and multiply. And they do. So now let's go to day six. Day six, I want to read some of that. We've got a few more minutes here. Day six. And and please go back and read that. We just, for the sake of time, we just have to skip through it. Verse 24, this is day six. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. Cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was what again? That it was good. Now verse 26. Now the story is going to take a whole another direction. Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, see, so that's kind of a breakdown of what he just created, right? And who did he just give dominion to for over all of that? Man. That word man literally would be translated to humans. Okay, it's, not, it's not a male term. It, it, it would be, let us make the humans in our image. And we're going to know why in a minute. He's going to say this. Verse 27. We're going to unpack more of this next week. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Hmm. So we see a little bit of that image right there. Man starts off with Genesis 2. He's going to tell us man starts off as one God splits him into two, and then he says, now y'all become one again in marriage, right? That's what that's about. So now we, we have the humans on the earth, all right? I, I, we'll talk more about that next week. That, that's, that's a lot of stuff right there. We're going to talk about the image bearers. What are we? What are we to be, all right? And it says, then God blessed them. So he, he's blessing again. Who did he just bless, or what did he just bless? You can thank him every time you go down to the river. Every time you go down to the spillway. Why are those fish there? Well, because he told them to multiply. Guess what they do every time they get a chance. Then God blessed them and God said to the humans. He said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Hmm. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. All right? Again, we'll unpack more of that next week. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. And so what do all those big cows eat? What do all those big creatures eat? Mm-hmm. then God saw everything that he made and indeed it was uh oh we got a little change here it was what? Very good. very good so we got seven goods in there we got six of them are just good and the seventh one is so God just steps back and he looks at everything and he says that's very good he said ain't nobody here to clap for me or praise me so I just praise myself I just, that's good I did a good job this is really good so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. All right, so now, now put this together in your mind. Okay, you probably can't see this on the screen, but you can in your notes right there. All right, all the, the problems God was solving about the wild and the waste, all that kind of thing. Now, notice the days, how they're paired. And, and this is the wisdom of God. I want you to see the wisdom of God. The days are paired. Day, this, is, this is the way this is laid out. Day one, two, and three. See, day one, God creates day and night. And then day four, he creates all the sun, moon, and stars. Right? Now isn't it something? There was a period of time that the sun wasn't what gave it light. The light just came from God's word. God said, let there be light. And the sun was created on the fourth day. Poof, your mind will just go blown. <laughs> right? So day one and day four correspond with each other. This is the wisdom of God. Day two... Where God separates the water, makes the atmosphere, and has the waters beneath as well. And you know what? The waters beneath are separated. If you drill long enough in the earth, guess what you're going to hit? Almost always. You're going to find water somewhere. God did all that.
1: <laughs> or, oh, yeah that'd, be good. <laughs> yeah,
0: that'd be nice if we did that. <laughs> we need some of that. And, and in day five, so he creates the atmosphere. And in day five, he creates all the the birds in the water and the fish in the water and all that kind of thing. Day two and five correspond together. Okay, so basically what God does, he creates the infrastructure, puts it all together. It's just wisdom. And then he fills it with the creatures. You see what I'm talking about? Day three, all the, the land, the land emerges. And then day six, they correspond and now he creates all the land creatures. Everything that creeps on the earth, including even humans, at that point. All right, you see that? Just the wisdom of it all, and maybe without a chart like that, you wouldn't wouldn't pick up on that as well. But all these days, they kind of they kind of dovetail. It, it's all means something. It's showing us his wisdom. All right. So now, let's wrap it up with this. Thus, the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. Getting into the first part of chapter two, it was all finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Hmm. So now what kind of God is this? Just putting it all together right there. What kind of God is this? Just that little bit of that story without even going too deep. What kind of God is this? Well, he's our creator first and foremost. We see that, right? He's our creator. That's, that's how he's introducing the story. Well, this God speaks and things happen. Things come into existence. He speaks. There's power in his word. Now, if, if I say Lee's shirt is blue, I'm not telling the complete truth. If God says Lee's shirt's blue, guess what happens to Lee's shirt? It turns blue. It turns blue. He speaks things into existence. This God brings light to darkness. You're going to see this time and time again in the story. This God brings order to chaos. That's who He is. This is what He does. This God is the giver of life. And He desires to share it. Especially with us. And He's wise beyond comprehension. I mean, he, he invented humans and all the systems that make up our body and all of us, all the systems that make up the animal kingdom, all the systems that, make, systems that make up the plant kingdom, all the systems that make up all the meteorology and all the weather and all that kind of stuff. God created, that was his idea, that he created all that. He, in, again, he, he invented it all, didn't he? And what he does is always good. So when you see this word good now, the Bible becomes the story of God bringing good. In fact, when, when it said of Jesus, the apostles said in the book of Acts that Jesus went about doing what? Doing good. He went about doing good. And you just thought he was being a nice guy. It's telling us that he's doing what God did in Genesis chapter one. Hmm. All right. So you got your notes there? You can see it. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it a little bit later. So, so God created a good place. Creation's good. The humans are good. Everything's in harmony. The harmony and function is good. God's good. It's all good. Everything's good. In fact, the last good is very good, right? So this is the idea. Genesis 1 is the idea of what God had in mind when He created the world and when He created you and I. When He created humans. This is what he had in mind. Humans were designed to experience goodness at every turn. Okay, now just a little precursor here for what we got coming ahead. Later, a command will come. In, In the next chapter, a command will come about a tree. And the tree is called the knowledge of good and evil. So God's given them the knowledge of good. It's all around them. Everywhere they see is good. Everything's happening good. The trees are good. The animals are good. Everything's getting along good. Our work is good. We're enjoying ourselves. We're in a good place. And now something's going to happen. And God says if they eat of this, another reality is going to come into existence. And that's evil. Is that going to come into play? I ain't no doubt about it. All right. I got a note there for John chapter one. You can go read that a little bit later, but it talks about Jesus as as the Creator Himself. So, well, in, in, before we, before we pray, any questions, comments? You got any questions? Isn't that a loaded question? You got any questions? <laughs> sure you do. Sure you do. So so, what do you think? Anybody? Before we go, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. It, it's very good going to be very good. Yeah, next next week. This is what I need you to do for next week. Go back and read chapter 1 and pick up chapter 2. We're going to get into chapter some of chapter 1 and go into chapter 2 and begin to talk about the humans. And remember see, see the image the image of God was not a man. The image of God is a man and a and a woman, right? Hmm. That's interesting, huh? What do you say? I probably don't want to know. <laughs> Let's pray. Hi, Lord, we need your help. Thank you. Lord, you, you said something in the early parts where we read in Luke 24. You said that you opened up their mind that they could comprehend the Scriptures. Uh, we we need that kind of kind of help. We need that kind of help. We need you to help us to understand the Scriptures and not just read the data and the information, but to get the revelation of who you are. So, so even as Paul taught us to pray, Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are. Help us to see you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your good creation. I pray you would help us, help us to become the people you created us to be. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your plan and purpose. May it find its fulfillment in us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.